some, some smartphones have the capacity of actually recharging themselves to a degree without putting it, without plugging it into the charger or putting it on the charger. Some of them can do that through solar power. Some of them do that through, uh, microwave, but it never gets above 30%. That's kind of how we are as people. Uh, God continually gives us grace, uh, to live and just stay alive. But unless you connect directly to the Father through divine encounters with Him, you're never going to get charged to the degree that God wants you to be. Okay? So we're working off of that premise today. And the next four weeks, we're going to focus on some things that are actually allow us to experience the renewing work of the Spirit of God. We're going to, we're going to hopefully experience it in the services. And the one we're focusing on today is healing confession. Now, before you run for the exits, uh, I'm not going to put anybody on the spot here. We're just providing the environment in which today God can speak to each of us and he can put his finger on stuff in our lives and say, you need to confess that. That's, you're engaged in that and that's sin. And it's when we experience healing confession that God gets to clear the junk out and pour his presence into our souls in fresh ways. Uh, I experienced this personally yesterday. Josh and I were at a conference in Valley Real Life about discipleship. And they were helping us experience some of it through uh, a text in, in the Gospels, which is the text about the, the parable of the unforgiving servant who was actually forgiven a debt he could never repay of equivalent of millions of dollars for most of us. And, uh, and he pleaded for mercy from God, from the master and the master forgave him and he went right out and attacked one of his own fellow servants for a very small debt that he owed him. And of course the, the parallel or the, the message to us is, so God's forgiven me an immense amount that I could never repay, uh, why am I holding stuff against other people that is just nothing really in comparison to how I've offended God? And so the Spirit of God spoke to me about several relationships, about several things that I need to do and change and repent of. I need to keep quitting. I need to quit having lists in my head of offenses. That's one of the things. I need to, I need to take some actual proactive action to rebuild some relationships that I have felt offenses in in the past. And so that, to me, was a healing experience. And I'm hopeful that what you're going to experience here today and throughout these weeks is a healing experience. Um, I think we'd all agree our nation needs healing. The reality is our nation is made up of individuals, us, us. And so the reason the country's sick is because we're sick. God's people are sick. And we are the people that need healing. So I'd like to start on sort of a, a macro level, a national level, and I'd like us to look at how, how has God designed healing to take place on a national level, and then we're going to take it down uh, the second half on how does God design it to happen at an individual level with us individually since we're part of this nation. So, uh, nations are simply a reflection of the people that make up that nation. So what's transpiring in our country and has over the past year is simply a reflection of who we are as people. We could say our national laws are a reflection of who we are as people, for for good or for ill. Uh, they are a reflection of e- our either morality or our immorality. 
whether that's laws in relationship to violent behavior or to sexual behavior or financial behaviors. Those laws just reflect where we are as a nation. Okay, So let's think briefly about areas of our national life that we could probably all agree need some healing. Because if we're going to get healing in them, maybe God is going to speak to us individually, but probably as well as a nation, that we need to repent of some things. That we need to turn away from some stuff so we can turn towards God. So, are we a, are we a more um, racially united country today than we were 20 years ago? I don't think so. I think we're going in the wrong direction here. So something is happening that is sinful. We could say is sinful. We may debate about what that is. But our nation needs healing racially. Uh, domestically, are families and marriages doing better today than they were 50 years ago? No, they're not. We know statistically it's a disaster, the landscape out there. And, and so something needs to change about how we do family, how we do marriages. Politically, I've never in my years of recollection, seen such polarization, such anger, and outright hatred in the political landscape, even among God's people. Okay? We got some repenting to do here. Uh, what about just in civil life together? Are people less violent towards each other or more violent these days? Don't watch the news. You got your answer, right? Uh, medically, we're in the middle uh, of COVID-19, we're also, for the first time in my life, on the downward side of life expectancy in America. That tells me something. We got some repenting to do health-wise in our country. We could talk about educationally. We pushed God out of the schools when we took the, when we took His word out and we took, uh, public praying out in the 60s. And here we are today. Are the schools in a better place today than they were then? I don't think so. We got some repenting to do educationally. We could talk spiritually. Um, the the younger your younger generation today, uh, what's the one below millennials? Gen Z is it? Yeah. Okay. So Gen Z is the most unchurched generation we have seen in a hundred years in this country, by far. Okay. Uh, not to mention that their belief in God or whatever, but they're. They, it's a fraction of them that even think that church has anything relevant to offer to their lives. We've got some repenting to do. So I think it's safe to say our nation is sick. National illness, national sickness is a representation of the fact that we, the people of this nation, are sick. Now God gave us instructions and I'm going to go to a passage that's well-known today, but I, I just want to rehearse that so that we can engage in, in what it calls us to do. He's given us uh, a divine pharmacy for our country. And he's got, already wrote the prescription. It just is waiting for us to pick up. It's, it's waiting for us. And the tragedy is that it's dependent upon us, God's people, not upon the lost right now. It's dependent on us. And God's pe- so many of God's people refuse to pick up this prescription today. So we're going to go to Second Chronicles chapter 7, and, and here's where uh, Solomon is having a dream, uh, a vision actually from God. He's just dedicated the temple in Jerusalem, the new temple, where God promised to have his presence reside. 
Where does God promise his presence resides today? With us. In us, when we're gathered, the people of God. Okay? So there are some parallels here. And I'll be the first to say that we are not Israel, but there are principles here that directly relate to the health of our nation, or any nation, I would say, where the people of God have the privilege of choosing their own leaders and actually influencing uh, the direction of the country. So, Second Chronicles chapter 7, here we go. The Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said, I've heard your prayer, and I've chosen this place, the temple, for myself as a temple for sacrifices. Now, just apply that to the church. Yeah. What, what sacrifices do we get to make as a church? as the temple of God. We're not going to camp on that today. We'll keep going. When I shut up the heavens, God says, when I shut up the heavens, it's going to happen. God knew it would, so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or I send a plague among my people. That's COVID-19. Okay, that's a plague. Uh, Among my people, Jen, next one. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray... He doesn't say if, if other people. He says, if my people will do this, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Now, my people will be open. Excuse me, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. He goes back to prayer. He goes back to prayer when he says, when the nation's failing, this is what the people of God are called to do. So there are three things, clear action points here that we're going to engage in today. First, he says, if, if my people will humble themselves and pray, and humility always is accompanied by prayer. You cannot be a humble person if you don't pray. Why? Because prayer is an acknowledgement that I cannot do this, that I am a dependent being on God. That this life does not work apart from Him. And people who don't pray are not humble. But when we pray, it's an admission of humility. It's an admission of saying, I desperately need God to solve this situation. Number two, he says, seek my face. What does it mean to seek the face of God? Because we're told by uh, Moses that when he wanted to see God's face, God said, "Uh uh-uh, you cannot see my face because you'll die if you do. The face being the representation of God's fullness, of his glory, okay? And maybe this is one of the reasons why we have such trouble with masking during this whole thing. Because when you cover up a person's face, in in a sense, our face is our glory, right? It's who we are. It's what represents us more than anything else. It's what distinguishes us as unique. And God, and we have the image of God stamped on us. Okay? And so, God just designed the human body such that our face represents us the most of anything. Okay? So, God says, seek my face. What does somebody's face tell you about them? If they're happy or angry or sad, it gives you the whole emotional gamut in an instant, doesn't it? That's why kids are always looking at their parents' faces. Yeah, am I in trouble or are they happy today? You can tell from the face. 
So when God says, seek my face, what is he asking us to do? Get close enough to him to be able to sense, is he, is he angry about this or is he happy about this? What, what, what's, his, what's he thinking right now towards me? I mean, what, God says, when you seek somebody's face, you want to know the person. When you seek somebody's wallet book, what do you want? Your money. You see, when you want their hand or a hand out, you want something they have. When you want their face, you know, and kids would always do this to parents. At some point, they'll grab your face and say, look at me. You know, <laughs> they want your attention, right? And God says, I just want you to give me your attention. I want you to seek me, even more than the solution to the problems in your country, even more than whatever crisis you're going through. I want you to seek me. And then the third thing he says is, I want you to turn from your wicked ways. This is probably the hardest one of the three. Uh, The hardest to change, at least. I don't like to admit that there is always a part of me that is downright wicked and evil. Oh, I like to say dysfunctional or, you know, flawed or whatever. But now God says, John, that old part of you, that old nature, it's, it's, it's wicked. I don't like that word. In other words, when I spend inordinate amount of my time expending my life working to get more stuff so that I can have what my neighbor has, I am guilty of the wickedness of coveting. If my neighbor was poor, I probably wouldn't care, right? I wouldn't want those things. When I get angry and lash out at people I either claim to love or somebody I don't even know, I'm guilty of the wickedness of hatred and murder, says the scripture, says Christ. When I entertain myself, maybe through, through books or movies or online entertainment that compromises or infects the purity and the holiness that God wants to share with me, I'm guilty of the wickedness of violence or lust or whatever it is I'm taking in. By the way, I was talking with a a youth leader in our city the other day, and he said, you know, this COVID has been disastrous for our youth, for our leaders. Every one of our leaders has become addicted to pornography during this time. Leaders. We need healing. It's, It's just very evident. So, None of us are totally free from wickedness in this life. Uh, but if you're like me, you're a mixture of wickedness and holiness, God's desires, your own desires, devil, angel, devil, angel yeah. It's really time. What's the re- right response to that, says God? Pray. Get close to me. Frankly, every church in this country, the most well-attended meeting should be prayer meeting right now. If we are following this passage, if we are recognizing we need to humble ourselves, if we recognize that God is the only solution, prayer meetings should be the most important meeting of the week in every church, but I can guarantee you it's not. And, and, I, and I'm not you know, throwing stones because I live in a glass house, so, uh, but let, let me not back off either from this. My temptation is to say, well, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to feel the kind of the prick of the spirit here. Well, I want you to, I want to feel the prick of the spirit, but I don't want to necessarily, uh, generate false guilt. But I don't want to stand before God and have Him say, 
John, why didn't you say what I had burdened your heart to say just because you didn't want to make some people feel uncomfortable? Okay? So you, you wrestle this out with God. But when the day arrives, and it may be right around the corner, when our local, state, and national officials forbid us from gathering together to pray in our own church building, will we regret that we didn't do it when it was legal? Will we regret that? Will we feel a loss of anything? Or will we just kind of silently go into the darkness? Because, friends, the darkness is coming. That I'm assured of. And if we aren't a praying people today, I really doubt that we will be the Daniels of our day tomorrow that we need to be. I, one of Andrew's sons came and sat in my lap last service, end of the service. And I was just praying that the Lord would make him a Daniel in his day. And, and the way he's going to become that is by growing up in a church where he watches the adults pray, where he sees his mom and dad pray, where he hears them pray. Because Daniel was willing to go to his death rather than stop praying. The king just said, hey, 30-day time out, no prayer to anybody but me. And Daniel said, sorry, I can't do that. And three times a day, he risked his life just to pray. He realized that he could not be a humble man without prayer. And he was not going to let a king tell him he couldn't pray. If you're afraid to come together to pray for whatever reasons, let me challenge you, then come to, get on a Zoom call with us. Every Wednesday night, we're, we're here praying for one hour. Go lock yourself in the bathroom. Go find a quiet spot in the car if you have to. Get on the Zoom call and pray. Because, you know, if not now for our country, when? It, it, it is on the slide. And now is the time that God is saying to his people, if my people, if my people called by my name will just do this, I'll hear from heaven and I'll answer. Okay, but... Um, now we're going we're gonna to move to a passage that talks about personal healing because there's lots of things our nation needs healing of and my guess is there's lots of things every one of us need healing from as well. And as we read this passage, don't get stuck on just the physical side of things because some of the worst wounds of life are not physical, right? Yeah. And so as God just brings things to your mind, that he says, yeah, you, I want to heal you from that. I want to heal you of this. Don't say no to him. Just listen, would you? So James chapter 5, now we're moving into the level of personal healing. Uh, James writes, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Again, interesting. You know, prayer's the solution. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. That's just another form of prayer. Every time you come here and sing songs of praise, you're praying to God. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Next. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Now, that doesn't mean it'll always be well by your standards. Sometimes I pray for people over and over again, hundreds of times, and they die. And I end up doing their funeral. 
But God healed them, didn't he? The way he chose. He said, no, their life is finished here, and I'm going to heal them in the best way I can. Other people, they'll come back and say, I got a scan. It's gone. Praise the Lord. You got more days here on earth. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Again, he connects health with, not just physical health, but he health with sin and forgiveness. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. That's unexpected. I would have expected, you know, confess your sins to me. Hmm. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Just a few things about this text, then we're going to go try to put this into practice. That that opening statement, uh, if you're in trouble, pray. That term trouble is a really broad term. It, It can mean any kind of difficulty, any kind of suffering, any kind of hardship. I know some of you have lost loved ones this year. That's a hardship. Some of you have seen your health decline this year. That's a hardship. Some of you have lost jobs. Others have lost income. Some have had children either taken away forcibly from you or distanced themselves from you for whatever reasons. COVID, who knows what. Some of you have experienced the suffering of conflict with friends and family. Some of you have been wounded and hurt by other believers in this church. Some of you have faced mental and emotional struggles, depression, anxiety, mental illness. Some of you school. Yeah, whether you're a teacher or a student. Some of you have reached into destructive addictions. Some of you have felt angry and isolated and alone this year. There's nobody in this room who hasn't had trouble, right? So God says, what are we supposed to do? When we experience trouble, pray. God's prescription is prayer. Talk to him about it. Bring the trouble, bring yourself, lay your life before him, and then listen for his reply. And we're going to take some time to do that. So that's the first thing. If you've been going through any kind of trouble, God says, I want to hear about it. Second, many of us, however, have experienced great joy in this year. James tells us that it, On the other end of the spectrum are people who are just happy. And he says, then then what you should do is pray, but pray in song. Pray in song. What is it that that brings us joy? Think back to the last time you were laughing and happy. Hopefully not too long ago. But what is it that brings you joy? Family. Friendships. Health. Family. Heart. Art. Yeah, beauty. Beauty should bring us joy. Children. Children. Just being around children. Save. People getting saved. Wow. Work. Having work to do. Meaningful work. What's that? Music. Amen. I mean, there's lots of reasons to be joyful. Yeah, God is feeling the spectrum of emotion all the time because he's God. You and I have to land at one point or another at given moments, don't we? But the reality is, in the course of a week, we've probably all experienced everything from trouble to joy, from happiness to to suffering. 
that's a part of experiencing God that he wants to enter into. So, so he says, regardless of which end of the spectrum or where you are in between, talk to me about it. Third, if we're sick, we're to call for the spiritual leaders of the church to pray over us and anoint us with oil. This is probably a reference to two things. I think they're combined. Uh, not only to actual kind of act of faith in which somebody gets anointed with oil, actual oil of some kind, and that's a statement of faith on everybody doing, uh, everybody involved in that. But oil in the scripture is also uh, indicative of the Holy Spirit, often. And I think what we're saying is we're, we're asking God, we're asking through the leaders who pray for us, I want to be a person anointed with the Holy Spirit. I want every part of my life to be under the Spirit of God and to be the Spirit of God to be speaking to me. Okay? Um, now, sick here, the term for sick is a broader term than just physically ill, although the majority of the times in the New Testament that term here in Greek refers to physically ill, it also several times refers to kind of a soul sickness where you're discouraged or you're, you're depressed or you're downcast in some way. And, and the answer for that is pray. Ask for prayer. And here's the, here's the requirement. You have to ask. The leaders aren't supposed to go around saying, hey, you need prayer? Hey, you need prayer? You're supposed to, it takes a little faith on your part to say, okay, I don't understand this prayer thing, but God says to do it, I'm going to do it. John, would you pray for me? Jesse, would you pray for me? Sandy, would you pray for me? Tom, pray for me. And would you anoint me? Because I need healing. And God says, okay, I'll see that faith. I'll respond to that. Um, it's a statement of your humility to ask for prayer. Now, next, James gives us this promise. He says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Maybe not the way you wanted, but he will raise them up. That we're guaranteed here. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Remember, national healing had to do with confession of sin. Personal healing has to do with confession of sin. Now, just a word of clarification. Not all sickness is the direct result of your sin. Okay? Sometimes it's just living in a sinful world, uh, a fallen world. But God says we ought to always be asking the question, is there some sin, that I, well, I, and there may not be a direct relationship between my soul, sin, my soul woundedness and my sin, or there may be, but is there something that God can put his finger on and say, that I need to clean out of your life? It's like a boil that needs to get lanced, right? I mean, that's ugly image, sorry, but... It takes a little bit of pain for a short period of time for God to say, I gotta get that out of your soul so the healing process can start. Okay? Therefore, therefore what? Here's how we are supposed to put it into practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Humble confession of sin to one another is apparently God's way of delivering healing to us as individuals and to an entire nation. Now, here I have to admit that I think our Catholic brothers and sisters are far more familiar with this practice of confession. They confess to a priest, okay? The scripture doesn't limit it to a priest. It says to one another. It just says, you know, your brother or sister here can be your priest today. Uh, 
When you confess your sin, you're bringing it out into the open to a part of the body of Christ. And Christ is hearing that. And he's saying, I, I, I accept that. Uh, this is why I think our first experience of spiritual renewal this month is focused on personal repentance. National repentance cannot come from people who have not engaged in personal repentance. And this is where the Lord needs to deal with our own sickness first before we can deal with our national sickness. If we're to see national revival, we must have personal revival. Now, we're going to set aside time right now to actually engage in confession, repentance, prayer, and praise. And here's how we're going to facilitate that this morning. Uh, We're going to start with a time of just kind of personal, quiet, spirit-led self-examination. And I encourage you to use that sermon notes page that you were handed when you came in. On the back side, it's just got a bunch of lines there. Grab a pen. we got pens all over the place here. You might be led to pray to write a prayer of confession here this morning. About And you just write it to God. Um, and I encourage you to do that. Now, we're going to have up on the screen during these next few minutes a, a, an incomplete list, not an exhaustive list, but an incomplete list of some of the sins that the New Testament lists for us to say, am I in sin? And there are six slides, single-spaced, I would encourage you just to read them. Just to say, Lord, speak to me about any of these things here that you have said is sin that I may have just been ignoring, that you want, you want me to deal with here this morning. You may want to find another believer here. The Lord may prompt you to say, I want you to go pray with so-and-so and just publicly, between the two of you, confess a sin in prayer. You just walk over to the person and say, hey, would you pray with me right now? as I just confess my sin to the Lord. And then, if, if you're with somebody who's doing that, um, you have on the bottom of that sermon notes page, you have this little statement there. In Jesus' name, you're forgiven and set free. Go in peace and be healed of, your, of this sin. If you're praying with somebody, speak that phrase to them, would you? As, a, as, as Christ speaks that over them, speak it over them. Because this is, the, this is what Jesus loves to do when we confess our sins. Uh, so there's just going to be some background music here. Also, in the corners here, we're, uh, Bob and, and I'm going to pick on Inga and, and Tom as well. Uh, and then Sandy and myself back over here. Uh, if you want to pray with somebody, if you want to be anointed with oil, we're going to be there. Uh, and we'd be delighted to pray with you at this time uh, about that. So you're, you're free to, maybe you, you write out some things and you just want to leave it at the cross here and you come put it at the foot of the cross. I don't know, whatever the Spirit of God leads you to in confession, that's what we're going to take about eight minutes to do that. And uh, so let's begin, um, let's begin with just asking God to speak to us and then we will enter into this time. So Father, Thank you for giving us the means by which we can have healing. Thank you for telling us so clearly what a, what a nation needs to do to be healed and, and what we need to do to be healed. And so, Lord, we've all got troubles here today. We bring them to you as we bring our joy to you. And we pray that these next few minutes you would have absolute freedom to speak to us, to tell our souls what it is that you want to clear out of our lives. The sin that is getting in the way that 
you want to free us from. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.